0: You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts. So this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 100.
0: It's a century in cricket parlance.
1: Isn't that exciting? We've been doing this for two years now. Are we, yeah, we're starting our third year? We
0: have to be. It all runs together. Some podcasts uh, have champagne to celebrate their 100th episode, but I don't really drink champagne, so.
1: We'll be having shrimp stir fry after this. Right. To celebrate.
0: Diet tonic water, you know, really (laughs) whooping it up. Yeah.
1: Some water kefir.
0: Oh boy, the (laughs) listeners are really excited about our food reviews.
1: We really should have planned this better and got like some 808 grinds and...
0: Yeah, that would have been nice.
1: I know. All right, before we start with the podcast... Before we start. I feel like we need to tell everybody about
0: our contest this year. I think we should tell them about the contest so they'll participate.
1: Yes, please. And we really, really, really hope... Our international listeners will feel compelled to participate as well because I want to give them some audio love over the airways. Okay. We are not sharing what the theme of each month is with everybody. It's a
0: surprise.
1: It's a surprise. It's a secret. It's a mystery. It's a puzzle. It is a puzzle. And we have some clues. And we want you guys to play along. So what we'll do is we'll kick off our month. There will be Sometime during the week, I haven't figured out when, there'll be a social media post that will list all four or five of the movies that we'll be talking about that month. And you guys guess what the theme is. Those movies, those four or five movies, have some sort of thing in common. Like the last two years, what we've done. You email, call, or text in your guests. And you can do, sorry Ernie, you can give as many guesses as you want
0: although I reserve the right to block someone if they start spamming the inbox with millions of auto-generated guesses. But if it's an actual human guess, you can go ahead and guess multiple times.
1: Yes. And this, it's the spirit of the thing. We're not going to get all policey about how many guesses you get. And we want you guys to respond in kind by not spamming us with a bunch of
0: But I would respect someone who limited themselves to even a single guess. That's like, Wow. Killer mode, right? But let's say a handful of three, which was um, proposed by superfan Ernie for the advanced difficulty you can limit yourself. But it's okay if you want to try a few more. Like you got to three and you think you have another. That's okay.
1: Right, right. Because I, depending on how many we get, I can't promise that I'll be able to tell you you're right or wrong.
0: Oh, yeah, you're not going to know till the end of the month.
1: Right. So um, at the end of the month... We will, who whoever, as many people as guess correctly, they will get a shout out at the end of the month on the last podcast of the month. Woop woop. They will get a post on our website with their names and the number of wins that they have right. in parentheses afterwards. Sorry
0: to back up a bit, but yeah. Won't they get a shout out on the first movie of the next month? Because we we would want them to be able to get the last movie to guess.
1: They will get a shout out on our social media pages. And at the end of the month, all the correct guesses will go into a drawing and we will pick one of those people and they will receive a video message from Mike. And I think this is the bigger prize.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because that's more like a punishment, but okay,
1: (laughs) They get to pick a movie. For 2024 for, for the, us to talk about.
0: Now, there's a little bit of a caveat there because it needs to work with the podcast. So if somebody picked something, let's say for sake of example, that it had a lot of naked people in it, we probably couldn't do that one. Mm-hmm. Horror is not really going to work well. But if you stick within kind of the same realm of the movies we've talked about mm-hmm. already, you'll be fine. You get to pick one.
1: Yes. And we generally don't like to hate watch. So if we absolutely hate a movie that you suggest, we probably just don't want to do that because we understand as filmmakers, people got up that morning, they went to their job, they did the best job that they can. And just because we didn't respond to it doesn't mean it's not valuable. Right. And we don't want to spend the whole podcast like we just don't want to hate watch something right and talk about it. We want to be positive and talk about the things we love. So those are our, our little So we might say choose again.
0: We do look forward to stuff that we haven't been exposed to Mm -hmm. before. Yeah, definitely. So in particular, our our international listeners may have a film that is an indie film from their locale that we would not have heard about, but we would then love. So I'm looking forward to some really active competition from our listeners outside of the continental United States to maybe give us uh, some suggestions. And of course, even if you didn't win for that month, feel free to send us a suggestion via our email. Sure, absolutely.
1: And all of this will be in the show notes. So, the phone number that you can text or call, the email that you can send it to, as well as a link to our website where you can see where your all of your names will be posted if you correct if you guess correctly. The last thing that we're going to do is for everybody who guessed, you get an entry into a contest at the end of the year. And you will win. We will draw somebody and you will win a hundred dollar Amazon gift card. So each person has the ability to have their name in the pot 12 times. I am so excited, you guys, and I really hope that everybody participates. And I just want to hear from all of our listeners, especially our international listeners, our listeners outside of Oregon. We have a great group of people here in Oregon that have been supporting us and they tell us that they love our podcast. And we've gotten a lot of love here in the Portland area, but I would really love to hear from our listeners in Chicago or Washington, DC or Texas. Yeah. A foreign country like Texas, (laughs) Kansas, Montana. Like I just would love, love, love to hear that somebody is listening to this that I don't already know. (laughs) My mom even stopped listening. So help me out, guys. (laughs) Let's see. How about we start talking about our movie today? Sure. Okay. should we give a little backstory of why we picked this for our 100th episode?
0: It was your idea. Do you want to? Early on, we discovered this is kind of a bellwether movie. No one is meh about this film. You either love it or hate it. And we rarely meet people who love it. Mm hmm. I can only think of one other person we know that likes this movie, but I think there's more that I'm forgetting, but it's just Angela Weber. Was he was the person that I remember the first time I encountered somebody who liked Joe versus a Volcano.
1: Mhm. And a little teaser, we are going to have a bonus episode. Bonus episode. where we did invite some of our local fans, Superfan Lee, Superfan RJ, maybe Superfan Stacy, to come and give their opinion because we just wanted to talk to other people about it. But we wanted to give you guys a pure podcast experience where with our normal format and we talk about the movie, but we're going to have a bonus app. So look forward to that. We are talking about the 1990 film starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. We are talking about Joe vs. the Volcano. Came out in 1990. Director John Patrick Stanley, who also did Moonstruck Congo Doubt and Wild Mountain Time that we talked about last March.
0: Moonstruck and Wild Mountain Time are more in keeping with Joe vs. Volcano than Congo. hmm Unless I'm misremembering that and there's some monkey love in there, it doesn't seem like it's really romantic. And did you know that he has a director's trademark? What is that? A
1: full moon.
0: A full moon.
1: Yeah. I, th- I love director's trademark.
0: Yeah. Moonstruck makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm out in time. I don't remember it. And we did talk about it. Yeah, we did one. talk about it. So, hmm.
1: It stars Tom Hanks, like I said, Meg Ryan, and Lloyd Bridges, Robert Stack, Abe Vigoda, Dan Hadia, or Mr. Tertelli, as I know him from, right. and you all could know him from Cheers, Amanda Plummer, Ozzie Davis, and Carol Kane.
0: Okay. Big and fat. who has a really fun but smaller part as one of the tribe's people? Nathan Link. That's right. I think this is one of his first movie roles.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And in this one, it's interesting because Meg Ryan plays three roles.
0: Yes, Nathan plays one, but she plays three. Yes,
1: she's Dee Dee, Angelica, and Patricia. Right. Patricia.
0: Dap. Dap. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) It's easy to spell.
1: The DP is Stephen Goldblatt, who also did The Help in 2011 and Angels in America in 2003. And then the year later he did Closer.
0: I've wondered, maybe we can get a DP on the podcast to answer this question. But when when you see directors, they tend to have a particular genre or kind of film, right? Maybe it's horror, maybe it's comedy, what have you. DPs seem to have a much wider range. Yes. And I was curious if there are stylistic differences that affect the process of their cinematography, or if for them, it's more about the, the technical aspects of any given particular shot, like the lighting situation, what what's going on in the scene. Does the DP shoot a horror film two shot in a bar different than a rom-com two shot in a bar? Mm-hmm. See?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wonder if, you know how you've heard actors talk about, like, I wanted to pick this role because it was unlike any other role I had ever done. Like right. You know, I usually do girl next door roles and this role was, you know, a witch. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: so I wonder if if the same holds true for a DP, if he's always done these like big, massive epics or something. And now this one is just like a quiet little rom-com always set in buildings. Is that just different enough that I want to try that? Right. Is that what you were saying?
0: That is what I was trying. I was just curious about the difference. Because there could be one person I could see maybe their speciality is shooting from rigs on a car. So then you would think, okay, well, they'd have a lot of heist movies and, and that kind of thing. But this guy's oeuvre is so broad that you, you, you just think, oh, wow, like, is it, is it what you were saying? They want to do something entirely different? Or from the DP's perspective, is remains of the day exactly like Dumb and Dumber? It's just a bunch of people talking and I have to capture him on film. Right. I don't
1: know. Right. Right. So this is also written by John Patrick Stanley. So he wrote and directed this one as well. The synopsis for this film is when a hypochondriac learns that he is dying, he accepts an offer to throw himself in a volcano at a tropical island. And along the way there, he learns to truly live. Mm -hmm. The tagline. Let's see. Here we go. I've got two. Okay. An average Joe. An adventurous comedy. Eh. okay. I gotta be careful how I say this one. A story of love, lava, and burning desire. Better. Much better? You like the second one? Yeah. I thought this was some fun trivia I found. Joseph Banks, who is the name of Tom Hanks' character, was the name of Captain Cook's chief botanist on his expeditions to the South Pacific in the 18th century.
0: Isn't it also the name of... Place that sells suits in town, Joseph Banks. That sounds really familiar. And if so, is it a Joe versus a volcano callback that I missed? <laughs> that would be awesome. Because
1: it is kind of a Tony place and yeah. they
0: would sell those. The luggage. Yeah. Have I... you thought much about luggage, Mr. Banks?
1: <laughs> okay, don't jump ahead. <laughs> John Patrick Stanley had actually worked for a company who made medical devices. And they sold artificial testicles.
0: (laughs) And so I I believe. Somebody has to, I suppose. Make them.
1: (laughs) Yes, this is true. Somebody has to. I believe Mr. Waturi has a pair on his desk.
0: I believe he does, yes.
1: So that's where that came from. And then the whole film is actually based on a 1952 goofy short called Hello, Aloha.
0: Oh, wow. Fascinating.
1: Isn't that interesting? It is. And so the synopsis for that one, I'm going to read this. I believe I got it from IMDb. It says, in the city, Goofy finds his daily job much too stressful. So he decides to leave the hustle and bustle for a more peaceful life in the tropics. He finds life there most enjoyable, collecting shells from the beach and making a hut in which to live, getting back to nature and enjoying the big luau feast. Goofy thinks nothing can go wrong in this paradise until the natives need to sacrifice someone to their volcano.
0: Oh, Sure.
1: So, yeah, he pulled it from this little cartoon short, which is kind of funny.
0: There's also, I think, is it Twilight Zone, but it could have been an Outer Limits episode where the, the punchline is that the book that the aliens have to serve man means to serve them as food, not to do their <laughs> jobs for them. And I, w- I would assume that the director, writer, director was aware of that as well, right. kind of the twist in there. But yeah, I I, I do find. That it's an interesting setup because why would a person, even if they're terminally ill, Mm -hmm. volunteer to do this? But in the latest watching, he mentions that he was a fireman and that would, okay, you know, he's got that instinct to be the hero. So Mm -hmm. I could, I could certainly buy that. All right.
1: That is the first, and I've watched this movie so many times. Yeah, many times. That is the first time I caught that.
0: Same for me. First time I caught it. It was our last viewing. That's
1: wild. Isn't it? Yeah. We're already 17 minutes deep into this podcast. Right. Kick us off with your pickup line. Let's see if it tracks.
0: I know he can get the job, but can he do the job? Oh, that's perfect. It is perfect.
1: The pickup line could almost be the tagline. Oh, yeah, it
0: could be. Yeah. That's I like amazing. It. Good. Good writing.
1: That's amazing. Do, who, who says it? Mr. Waturi? It's yes. It's when he walks in. Yeah. So
0: I don't think... It's, it's actually off screen. You don't see Dan Hadaya yet.
1: Right. And I don't think I
0: wrote it down, but there is a long opening scene. There is where he's walking in from the parking lot, which I again I assume the director is aware of this, but it reminds me of footage I've seen from like the fifties and sixties of the Ford factories Mm. where there's just this giant parking lot and there and they were just flat asphalt. There was no trees, no little Planters, no lanes, no nothing. It was just a giant lot. It's actually not just
1: asphalt because it's muddy and there's trash in this parking lot. Remember, because I wrote down quite a bit because I said this opening scene really informs us of a lot. You're hearing 16 tons that song. 16.
0: Oh, I can't sing that because (laughs) we'll have to pay.
1: (laughs) I'll put a link to the song. (laughs) Yeah, maybe like the
0: wiki article.
1: Yeah. And it says, the song says, I owe my soul to the company store. Yeah, I owe my soul. And then just as they say the word
0: soul, you see his shoe, the soul of his shoe breaks. Right. And he doesn't seem to address that. He's still wearing that defective shoe later, which I guess shows how much the brain cloud has affected him.
1: Well, that and I think sometimes you just give up like, the, you know, this is me now.
0: Why bother? Like, Yeah. What's the point? Exactly. <laughs> I don't think this is the first film that has done this, but you have the image is a lot of gray, the gray Mm -hmm. asphalt. He's wearing all gray. I
1: noticed everybody's clothes going into the factory were gray or black. You would occasionally see a white t-shirt. Which sets
0: off the flower, but I want to get back to, I'm not sure you would wear gray given what their main product is, as you see on the signage as they go in. It's a probe for your hind end. So what does gray have to do with a probe for your hiney? Well,
1: you you think you'd wear red? Brown. (laughs) To blend in. They're not making it. They're making it. Not testing. That's why
0: painters wear white. No. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) They're just making the anal probe. Oh. They're not using the anal. Probe. You don't think they have testing? <laughs> there, I'm pretty sure they have validation and verification in in anal probe manufacturing. Oh gosh, I I shudder to think how they. But
1: I'm guessing they probably use like either cadavers or okay.
0: To be carcass, honest, probably like, pigs. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have gone sideways.
0: Hey. This is the hundredth episode. There is an outside <laughs> chance it will be a hundred minutes long. Sorry, <laughs> listeners.
1: Okay, okay, I'll try to edit it down if it goes
0: that long, guys.
1: But I love this first scene because it's got the crooked path yes. and just everybody. It's so oppressive, and I don't believe it's raining, but maybe it's just like super sunny and it's just miserable. And it just it informs
0: it, so much. It for captures us. the misery.
1: Yes. And so he's walking along the path and we see this daisy, which it's supposed to like be a kind of a weed, but it's growing in between the
0: the, the, jagged crack in the asphalt
1: and a number of people walk by it and don't step on it. And I find it interesting that they chose a woman to step on it. It's a woman's high heel. I don't know if because we see many, many men's shoes walk past it. Right. And so I don't know. But anyway, she steps on it. And later he he's walking out. I believe it's after he's met with the doctor and he straightens it up because now he has hope and he wants to, I guess, kind of believe in there is going to be a better way or. I wonder future. how they
0: did that. I want to talk to the production people, because in my experience, plant stems, when you crush them, they don't restore. They don't go back to where they I were before. tell you how they do it. How did they do it?
1: There's some cool stuff called floral wire. And you can put it up through the bottom of the stem because a daisy stem is like um bucatini pasta. It's like a straw. And so you could just put that wire up the stem
0: <laughs> and then kind of like a probe.
1: <laughs> I
0: can't. Thank is you. Is this
1: how the episode's gonna go?
0: It's how it's gone already.
1: <laughs> okay. And then they go into this dark factory, which just seems really unplausible because generally factories need lots of light, but it just further... Well,
0: in medical device manufacturing, they would be well lit so that you could do a good quality job. Correct. But it it leads to the misery and kind of the sense of kind of Orwellian 1984, that original Apple Macintosh commercial, right? There's that whole... Kind of Eastern block feel to it.
1: Yes. And so then we see like the disgusting petroleum jelly coming out of the dispenser into these big drums. And now there's an L cut as Joe walks into the office and over to the very sad looking coffee station that has like spills and gross powder all over. And it's that gross powdered creamer that like clumps up and it doesn't really, in fact, they don't even call it creamer, they call it coffee whitener.
0: Which is actually a a good, honest name for
1: it, right? Because there is no cream in it, probably. And so we hear Mr. Tort. Well, I wrote Mr. Tortelli. We miss hear Mr. Waturi, and he is talking on the phone. And this this line has been in our family since we met, pretty much forever. Forever.
0: I'm not arguing that with you. I'm not
1: arguing that with you.
0: I'm not arguing
1: that with you. Yeah, he says it so many different emphases on different. Yeah, syllables. it's great.
0: I, I almost feel like uh, when they were rehearsing, he told the director, "I can, I can read this a bunch of different ways." And after he did, the director said, "Do them <laughs> yes. all." <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, I pick
0: all of them. Which would you like? Yes.
1: And so it is so funny because he just—it's like Simpsons level. There's not just two or three. Oh no, it he goes, says it like four or five, maybe even oh, six yeah, times. Yeah, he goes a bunch. And the light is flickering and it's this horrible incandescent. In fact, the minute he steps in,
0: Joe's face looks just gray. Yeah, that's part of like great lighting Oh, because so they got that. that well, and also maybe makeup. So I don't want to shortchange the makeup department. But between the two of them, they really make him look green and, and
1: mm-hmm. Meg is slouching. She's nursing a cold. She hits her inhaler. She's wiping her nose like she's a wreck. Here you have America's sweetheart. She's beautiful. Oh, geez. Yeah, this is Meg at her height. And and as Dee Dee, she just and despite her kind of dour, she has dark hair. She is the prettiest thing in that office. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So Joe goes over to his file cabinet and I love this. Um, He gets out a tropical lamp.
0: This is great.
1: And he slaps the fluorescent light to turn it off because that's how bad it is. And he turns on this light and the lampshade rotates and it plays a little music and it's an incandescent warm light. And you almost get the feeling that Joe does this every morning, this ritual, because this is how he can get through this
0: day. So I mentioned earlier an individual, Angela Weber, who liked this film. Uh Uh-huh. And fluorescent lights reminds me of her husband, Jason. Uh Uh-huh. He didn't like the fluorescent lights over his cubicle. So he would remove them, being helpful, Uh and just put them back. And maintenance. And then the office manager called maintenance and maintenance will come in and restore them. So he learned you just rotate them out of socket so they don't turn on. But then maintenance looks up and they see, oh, there's a light up there. No need to do anything. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah.
1: I can't believe if they wouldn't still call like, oh, we need to bring somebody to come to replace it because it's obviously burnt out.
0: Well, I think by the time like the cleaning crew got there, all the lights were off. Or the majority of them were off anyway. Um, oh, I see. I would just
1: put a note. Please don't replace the bulbs in this light.
0: His original plan was brilliant, which is he hung darkroom cloth over the top of his <laughs> cubicle as a tent and it worked perfectly until the fire marshal came by. And he said it was a fire hazard because if something caught fire in his cubicle, the sprinkler system wouldn't be able to get water there. the The darkroom cloth was it neoprene that he put over. I don't know, <laughs> but here's the thing: I think the right answer would have been to say, "Oh, sorry," and roll it back. And when the fire marshal leaves, put it like <laughs> it would have been fine. But anyway, <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. But, yeah, those
0: fluorescent lights. I, I don't know if anybody likes them except maybe the fluorescent light bulb salesman. No one else likes them. Right, right. So
1: the lamp that he brings out also the shade has different parts of the movie so it has a yacht on it it has a volcano it has a large full moon it has the same twisting road that twisting road icon comes back many times throughout the film
0: I don't know outside of film that I've seen a lampshade that has a picture on like that
1: or that rotates and plays music I've never seen anything like it.
0: Yeah, that's um that's more a great showman thing there. The <laughs> rotating lampshade. The movies are great for lamps. Right. <laughs> right.
1: So the doctor's red building with the car to the right of the door that Joe goes to the doctor to find out that he has a brain cloud. Right. Which is another one of my favorite uh, scenes.
0: And 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 we love the phrase brain cloud.
1: Yes. Should we put that one in the show notes? A clip of that scene?
0: Oh, sure, yeah. Okay.
1: So the building, he comes out and the car is to the right of the door. And Joe is really, really small. And Steven Spielberg was actually the executive producer of this film. And this was the only thing that he took issue with He in the, in the whole production. Huh? He said that it was a long, unbroken take of Joe leaving Dr. Ellison's building. And the issue was that John Patrick Stanley did not shoot any coverage of the scene besides this one shot. And so Spielberg sent Stanley back to the location of the film to shoot additional angles, which were promptly discarded in favor
0: of the one shot take. (laughs) It was a really good shot. Yeah. I really liked it. It worked.
1: I thought it was interesting because until we get to the end of the movie, and I guess maybe some of the middle, it was the first time we'd really seen color. And maybe it's because it was that wide shot. And it filled the bulk of the screen. I felt like I, I really would love to ask John Patrick, Patrick Stanley, I'm going to call him JPS, you know, why he favored that. Because I agree. I think that the wide shot was good. I think, you know, it made Joe look very small. And I just, I I really like that, that shot. Agreed. Okay. Now Joe has a new lease on life. He has been told that you're dying and he gets approached by Lloyd Bridges, who says, OK, you're already going to die. So why don't you go out as the hero? Because you can save the people of the, the
0: Waponies the... And they live on the island. I think it's Finding Nemo's Wanahakalugi.
1: <laughs> I think it's called
0: Waponi. I think it is called. That's what the people are called, is Waponies. Yeah, and the island was something Waponi. So
1: he's told... That he can be a hero if he chooses to jump in this volcano. So he's kind of like, OK, I'll go on a little adventure. I'll go on a trip. And then my one last thing, I'll just jump in this volcano. Because like everybody would just no big deal, right? Sure.
0: Is there a ceremony or anything? No, you just
1: jump in. <laughs> he's given a lot of money. and he there, So we have a shopping montage.
0: Oh, yes, we do.
1: He goes to Giorgio Armani. He goes buy his underwear. He goes to a store called Horn of Africa for a hat. He's getting his hair cut because I I thought it was kind of cute. Ozzy Davis kind of takes him under his wing and kind of takes him to all these different places to buy the stuff that he needs. He even goes to Amaker Schlummer. Yeah, I used to
0: love to look at their catalogs. One of the things when
1: we got catalogs,
0: I like about what's called his Jungle gym outfit. Uh huh. And when I was a kid growing up, Jungle Jim was always G Y M. That was what was called the steel bar structure on the playground. But actually, there was a character prior to that called Jungle Jim J I M. So this is something of a reference to. And of course, he wears short pants like mm-hmm. a normal person, <laughs> but he has long socks, and they have flashes, like it's traditional with the hose worn with a kilt. Oh, you're I right. I thought that was nice. You're
1: totally right. Yeah. And so then he's like, he's getting all these things that he, I'm doing air quotes, needs like lanterns, a violin case bar, a shaving kit, an umbrella, a golf set, and all it goes into this massive luggage that he buys. Yes. That you love. He gets four of
0: these incredible steamer trunks. Yeah, not normal steamer trunks. And here's the disappointing part. They have no name. Like a product like that it would need to be the excelsior or something right, right
1: but they don't exist production made them because nobody how would you carry even one of those
0: okay but the writer director could tippity typey a name into <laughs> oh, the script and then tom Hanks says i'll take the excelsior i see you want it to have like a distinction in the story
1: okay diegetic okay. names we met Dee, Dee in the first act The second act, he meets Angelica, and Angelica is the sister of Patricia, who is going to captain the boat that will take Joe to Waponi Island. Okay. So they go to a restaurant, and she's very L.A. She kind of has a way about her. She's very posh.
0: Right. That voice you're doing is, is appropriate. I don't know where it comes from. She has that voice, like you did, that is kind of weird. Isn't that really Valley Girl? But no, it's maybe not it's Beverly like Hills. That? Maybe I don't know.
1: I don't know. So I liked the scene where there's a painting in this restaurant, and she says her dad owns a restaurant, and that's her painting. And the painting morphs. It's a painting of two people in a red car overlooking like it's some makeout spot, like overlook with the city lights down below. And it that painting morphs into them. Now they're in her car and they're overlooking the The city lights and they're sitting in the car.
0: I would love to know if there is actually a hill that tall and that unpopulated in Los Angeles.
1: That's a really good point. We see it a lot in a lot of movies right. that are set in LA, that overlook. Oh, I wonder if it's up like Runyon Canyon or one of these places where people right. hike. Yeah. So it's not allowed to be populated and the parking lot that it normally at night, you can just go up there and park.
0: Right. Go park. My thought is that any place that has that view has been built. It's some rich dude's apart like house.
1: Yeah, but there's I mean, like I said, Runyon can't there's places where people hike that aren't right. don't have homes.
0: But I'm saying that's because they don't have a good view. That's why they're oh. still undeveloped and hikeable.
1: Oh, okay. So that exhausts my cinematography category. Are is there right. anything that, that you liked that I didn't hit on?
0: In the cinematography uh, we already talked about the one shot where he was coming out, which looked kind of shaky. So I think it was Steadicam. I don't think it comes out held. of the factory? Uh, no, out of the doctor's office with the red ah. door. Because it really pulls back quite a bit. And I don't think they did it with a lens. There's interesting lighting. Um, several different times people are lit not entirely on their face. Like the doctor is lit just kind of from... The uh, below the eyes down or something. and They then, do it again with Lloyd Bridges when he comes to his... Right. And then Joe's and Angelica's faces during their lunch have a stripe of light. So that was an interesting... So he thing. obviously
1: wants to draw your, your eyes to the eyes.
0: Yeah. And there's... You mentioned the shopping montage, which I kind of feel like is a really common thing to put in a montage, shopping. Mostly probably, probably be kind of boring to watch them actually walking from store to store. But there's also a fun fishing montage, which is very Tom Hanks in the 80s.
1: Very campy. Yes. Yes. Very silly. That was, I believe that was. So this is Roger Ebert's one of his top favorite movies, which shocked me when I heard that. It shocks me. And I believe that was, I can't remember if it was Siskel or Ebert had a problem with that scene. And I can see why. The, The hammerhead shark is a bit much.
0: Well, uh, there's a factual problem in that hammerheads are coastal sharks. They're not deepwater sharks. And then there's a biological problem that their heads don't rotate like that, but it's kind of a silly film.
1: Right. But Steven Spielberg had just done Jaws not too many months, or years before, and so they didn't want to use a great white shark.
0: I think they also get, uh, oh, is later, but they have more seafood fun when they're getting the spa treatment on the island. <laughs> And she gets what looks to be a delicious misogy. Mm-hmm.
1: With leaves, like gentle leaves. Right. And, and it. he
0: gets slapped with a fish and an octopus has a role. Uh, he does the facial. They slap an octopus Octopus on his face. Right.
1: <laughs> Poor Octi. Yeah. So there's at least four references to losing one's soul. Like I mentioned before in the 16 tons song, Joe responds to Dee Dee's question in the factory while explaining inspecting his damaged shoe like i said patricia references being soul sick in the first night that they're together on the yacht and then several lines involving the waponi's toby chief such as when joe states that he hopes the chief will not lose his toby or his soul Uh so that was a big part. Um, oh, yeah. Because Dee Dee asks, what's with the shoe? And he says, I'm losing my soul.
0: Which is a fun plan. Work,
1: right. It? Exactly. I kind of liked when Joe came back to the office after he has met with the doctor and he has this new idea of his life. And the Joe that we met at the very beginning is somebody who's kind of just going through the motions, right? He probably eats about the same thing for all of his meals. He goes to bed, he wakes up and he does it all over again. Like that's what we see. And when he comes back, it's obviously somebody who wants to challenge life, I guess, and kind of even break the rules. So comically so that there's a drain, a massive like floor to ceiling pipe that has the wagon wheel oh yeah
0: the, the wheel
1: on you know that you rotate for like a valve or something right and there's a giant sign like a you know a foot by a foot sign and it says do not open this drain and he's like i've always wanted to know what happens and you notice that he actually closes the drain correct i don't remember noticing that but i thought you said because i thought he turns it clockwise mm. which would traditionally be closing it and so i just think it's interesting that he's he's breaking all the rules and then he starts packing up his box because he's leaving like he's like i'm out i quit you know and the books that he has are robinson Crusoe, romeo and juliet and the odyssey and those are act one act two act three kind of oh, if you've nice. heard i mean they're the yeah yeah yeah,
0: right yeah yeah very very well so done. i thought that Curious. was cool that is cool I have to say, when he returns to the office, it gives us another great line from Mr. Ratturi, which I love but don't use nearly enough. He says, if I had said that, I would have been wrong. (laughs) And I love that because you deny that you did it, but then you switch your position at the same time. So the next time someone catches me saying something stupid, well, if I had said that, I would have been wrong. Right, right. Well, the
1: line I liked is, Dee Dee is a little excited by joe's energy because he's come back and he's all fired up yeah yeah and she's kind of confused later she says she's a little frightened of it but it's almost like a moth to a flame like she yeah. she a turn on yeah and so he, she says where are you joe and he says i'm right here Dee." Dee. and she says i wish i was where you are oh and yeah. so i think that it's so poignant because What happened was, is he was living just in the drudgery. And then all of a sudden, when you're told information like that, you instantly face life and death. Like he is, he knows his death. He knows when his death is going to happen. And when
0: he jumps in the volcano.
1: Right. Right. And so there's like every moment counts now. And he's living in the present so much. And I think she, that's maybe what she was attracted to and saying, oh my God, I want, some of what you have, but it I don't want to have to jump in a volcano to get it.
0: Blew away the brain cloud.
1: It did. It did. Okay. Let's see. That concludes my writing. Do you have any other writing things that you enjoyed from this film?
0: There's another Mr. Matery line from the first time they meet, which is great. Joe says he just doesn't feel good. And Matery says, nobody feels good. After childhood, it's a fact of life. <laughs> Boy, we've been feeling that lately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you, 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 covered the rest of it. I did have a note that Tom Hanks did a lot of dancing and movies in that era in his career. So
1: he does. He cuts a rug. What's the song that plays when he's dancing on the.
0: And you're thinking of big on the no, piano.
1: No. When he's on the four trunks. She's. Oh
0: yeah. I don't remember, but yeah, he dances on the trunks. I'm
1: going to have to look that scene up okay. and add that.
0: All right. Okay. Cause it's, I, it's. One of my favorite parts
1: of the of the film. Okay, a couple things really quick I'll run through for costumes. I noticed that Joe's hair was longer. Oh, wait, that's not a costume, so let me just...
0: Well, I, I put hair and makeup and costumes. I was curious if um if that qualified as a mullet.
1: Yeah, it was just... It kind of was that just unkempt, doesn't even care right hair. And with the trench suit and the dark... Or the trench coat and the dark suit.
0: But regarding the nurse's costuming... When did nurses abandon that weird starched taco thing they would put in their hair instead of a hat? Do you remember what I'm talking about? In the olden mm-hmm. days, it was just a little kind of piece of cloth that was stiffly starched. Right. Was it the 1950s? I, I, I don't know. Maybe somebody who's a nursing expert could tell us when they switched from when that. They don't really have hats anymore. I don't know what that hat was doing.
1: I know. Too bad my aunt's not still alive. I could ask her because. I think maybe they just put them, because I feel like I've seen a picture of her with one, like when she graduated nursing school, but maybe that's just a, okay. So each, each time Joe makes a life change, he throws a hat away. So the jungle gym hat, he throws away when he quits his job, he throws that hat away when he gets on the, oh yeah. When he gets on the boat with Patricia, that's when he throws the jungle gym hat away. And then um, he has a rain slicker hat in hand and he throws that one away. Huh. Isn't that
0: interesting? That is interesting. Don't like hats.
1: So most of the film has very little color, but then once they get to the, the island, it's just like really a saturated. color explosion. Yeah, yeah. My last little tidbit in the costuming, I thought this was kind of funny, is Carol Kane did this part in exchange for the wig she was wearing.
0: Oh, nice. <laughs> I also noticed Joe has a lot of ascots once he's gone shopping. That was an interesting yes, choice. he does. I didn't know one... Thing for props. I was curious where they sourced the pipe that has a topless woman as the bowl or did they make that?
1: Mm, Well, I'll have to do a little eBay looking for you. That's
0: true. Yeah. (laughs) Back in the day, it was maybe possible to get pipes with topless women on them. Don't know anymore.
1: For sound, not only did Meg Ryan play all three female leads, but she also did the voice of the flight attendant welcoming the flight to Los Angeles. I thought that was fun.
0: Did you get paid extra? Mm, Probably not. I don't
1: know. When the Waponies are heading out to their boats and the rafts are meeting Joe, the music playing is Havana Gila, but the words were made up to appear to be the language of the Waponis.
0: Right. Because the gag in the movie was that there were a bunch of Jews that got stranded there. And that's why Abe Vigoda was the chief.
1: Right. <laughs> I love it. And the version of Blue Moon. Oh, is that? No. That is playing on Joe's New York hotel room is the same version as the tape recorder batteries that die in Apollo 13, also starring Tom Hanks. Oh, wow. So there you go. little tie in. Yeah. All right. Was there any head trauma in Joe versus the volcano?
0: So I say there are uh, three possibilities. I made a note. At 20 minutes, Joe pats Mr. Ratturi on the head with the prosthetic arm, mm-hmm. which is maybe not traumatic, but it is contact with the head. At, it looks like one hour, 10 minutes, Patricia gets whacked by the swinging jib on the sailboat, Oof. which is a common movie trope. I don't know how often that actually happens. Maybe someone with sailing experience could write in and tell us that's still a thing or is that just like seltzer humor it's something that we do in the movies and then thirdly those two guys swing into the gongs and it's not clear whether they use their heads or not
1: <laughs> how about a smoochie smoochie Let's see we've got we Meg have some Ryan three times. did did right. Dee, Dee get a kiss
0: in her or his apartment? Yes, after their dinner, they there was some smooching. Did Angelica get a kiss at fifty four forty five he kisses her on the cheek before casting off and did Patricia get a kiss? She got several at one oh nine thirty five he kisses Patricia on the sailboat during the storm. And then at one thirty, Joe and Patricia kiss after being married. And then at one thirty, one forty, they kiss right before jumping. Right, lots and, of kissing. You
1: know, how about a driving review? Was there? there I guess the, Ozzie Davis was our cab driver or our lim, yeah. limo driver.
0: Cab so driver? Joe's car is a nineteen sixty Rambler, and my note here is it matches the fluorescent lights. I think I was referring to the color of of the the, the Rambler. Then there's. The car that I think Ozzy is driving is the Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow and that says super expensive which is supposed to sell a bit. the bit that Lloyd Bridge's character is very very wealthy. It's Angelica's car I think but that red Mercedes convertible that is so 19 like 80s. That is perfect for, for LA or Beverly Hills. What I have to say is I do not know about the safety of how they transported the luggage. From the luggage store. They strap it to the roof of of the Rolls Royce, which I'm not really sure would be good for the roof of the Rolls Royce or would it be safe for the other drivers. Mm -hmm. So a little concern there. Okay.
1: So we go to the numbers.
0: Let's go to the numbers.
1: All right. This film was panned and John Patrick Flannery said it felt like he got kicked in the head and he was really hurt because the New York Times excoriated him. But actually, it's it's kind of almost become like a little bit of a cult classic with a small group of people. So I guess
0: us. Right. We're Roger in Ebert and Angela Weber. And us. Yeah. <laughs> the four of us.
1: So if you like this movie, we would love to know it. We will bring you into our little club of Joe versus the Volcano Lovers. All right. Now to the numbers. So this is 1990. I can't, I can't remember if it was Splash, but... Tom Hanks had had some hits, and so everybody thought this was going to be another one. And so $25 million uh-huh. was spent on making this one profitable. It's sitting at a 5.9 out of 10, but it is considered fresh among the critics. Unfortunately, audiences, except for us, didn't agree. And so they rated it at 54%. So it's a bummer. It's just under two hours at an hour and 42 minutes. It's rated PG. I could say, I would say it's a family movie.
0: Yeah. I was curious if you thought at 142, was it long? Is that contributing factor?
1: I feel like I'm biased. I love, I've seen this movie so many. It, it doesn't feel long to me. Okay. Just, just wondering. Yeah. But I will take myself out of the running for that opinion. Cause I've, it's just, it's a fave. Uh, It's a rom-com. It's done. It was done by Warner brothers and Amblin entertainment. Bo Welch was nominated for best art direction at the 2020 awards.
0: It's for the luggage. Yes,
1: exactly. Worldwide. It, received 39 million so i'm sure studios would call that oh we just broke even probably especially with marketing costs Yeah, you gotta worry and adjusted for inflation today that's 85.5 million that sounds successful but
0: successful to me
1: i know so there you have it folks we uh covered joe versus the volcano as our 100th episode thank you so much you guys for listening and getting us to 100 episodes I get so excited when I look at the stats and see you all listening from all corners of the globe and especially, uh, you know, here in Oregon and America. And I'm just it makes me so happy to get the comments on YouTube and different places that that we are on. You You, were going to say,
0: yeah, you know, it would be really awesome for our listeners to sound off so we could kind of, you know, one, two, three, four. So. I don't have the money for this, but I'm wondering if I said I would send everyone a $100 Amazon gift card for writing in, would we get more feedback from our (laughs) listeners? But he's not saying that. (laughs) But I am not saying that. I said I don't have the money for that. But But seeing as I don't have the money, emails are relatively cheap. So if the listeners were to send something in, that would be nice for us to see after 100 episodes. Yes. Could we get a hundred listeners oh to send gosh. in their, ne- just like the shout out. I, would, I don't need to know much. Just, just a, Hey, just a,
1: hey we're listening yeah. to you from. Yeah.
0: That would be awesome.
1: Yes. Cause we have a lot of German listeners and, yeah. and, and in the, uh, all over the EU, we've got some listeners. So right. we just, we would love to know,
0: you know, what's a favorite episode you, we've done or. Right. Let's see. What's a favorite movie of yours? Yeah. That's to me would be the greatest thing is instead of, Hey, just send us your favorite movie. Yeah, we're a couple of movie nerds and we want to hear what yours are. Right. I discovered someone today who had not even heard of Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Right. So she has a wonderful surprise coming. Yes, she
1: does. That's
0: awesome. Okay, everybody, I
1: hope you enjoy our new contest. Check out the show notes for how you can guess. So far, we have done Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Peanut Butter Falcon, and then now Joe versus a Volcano. So there are three clues as to what the January theme is. You can check out our social media to see the other two films that we will be doing so that you can make your educated guess. Also, just because you look at the social media once, it might change, giving you additional
0: clues. Ooh, so, more clues for people who keep up on their socials.
1: Yes. So check that out. Follow us at Dodge Media Productions on Facebook, and Instagram,
0: and never, ever, ever forget. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christian Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to DodgeMediaProductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies.